you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. Here's your host, Marcus Grant. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, still masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. And we have made it through another Sunday of NFL and fantasy football. So we are here to sort of look at the aftermath of that on this Monday. We got plenty to talk about. We'll dig through some of the top waiver wire picks for the coming week and we'll look at some guys who have sort of been up and down and we'll figure out what we know about them whether we know it whether we think we know it or whether we have no idea what some of these guys are going to do some of your highs and some of your lows from fantasy as well Kimmy checks will join us as she always does on a Monday and plenty plenty more to talk about but before we do any of that we'll talk to our faithful producer senior Edward L Murphy Esquire and uh, Murph I know the Giants don't make you happy but they do play tonight and, and what are your expectations for them and, and what is a pretty tough matchup. Uh, I'm glad you asked. I could, I could give you the exact uh, format of what will happen tonight, so you guys don't even have to watch the game because this is going to happen. <laughs> the Giants are going to stay close. They're going to be with this team. You're going to see a lot of graphics about how the Giants have you know, beaten Brady twice in the Super Bowl, this, that, the other thing. It'll be close in the third quarter, fourth quarter, and then you will see the Daniel Jones turnover probably caused by Evan Ingram somehow because he seems to be the one – uh, you know, throwing interceptions up in the air for the defense to get, um, or something like that. So, and then we'll they'll lose the game by one score. I believe the Giants have like uh, eight losses by, uh, in the most losses this year have been by eight points or less. So they're going to lose again you know, a game they could have won, and they will be a, a one-win team going forward and say, hey, you know what, the Giants gave them their best effort, but the Bucks are a little bit better, and that's just been the story of the season. So, spoiler alert for everybody, uh, just just know it's coming. I would think that, at least in some perverse way, there's there's less pressure as a fan to watch when you sort of feel like you know what's going to happen now. Uh, totally. I mean, you, you look for progress. Obviously, I want to see Andrew Thomas play better. Obviously, I want to see Daniel Jones not turn the ball over. Obviously, I want to see Darius Slayton maybe become a true number one and just saw, uh, other, uh, some defensive pieces as well. Dalvin Tomlinson's playing really uh, really well this year. So you want to see some guys do do well, but it's um, yeah, overall, you just kind of like lost the drive, lost the energy towards the team. It's just um, it's just kind of a, a sad story. that It's worse almost being like one score away. I'd rather almost get blown out and be like, oh, they're just totally <laughs> done this year to be like that close to winning a bunch of games versus decent teams it's super frustrating uh i i can totally imagine well at least hopefully you have some something good to eat and drink to at least you know keep your spirits up uh during yeah. this one so uh yeah well we will see how it's turned out tonight of course we will have a monday night preview a little bit later on in the show and to help me with that and plenty more on today's show it is the one and only kimmy checks and uh, kimmy you didn't have such stressful times yesterday the chiefs sort of took care of business to no one's surprise uh against the jets they took care of business yesterday so i imagine it was a pretty chill sunday for you 
It's always a chill Sunday when you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Uh, P.S. I see the sign behind you. Happy birthday to your mom. <laughs> happy birthday, the mother of Marcus Grant. You have an awesome son who I get to chat fantasy football with every week. So happy birthday to you. Yeah, thanks, Ma. Happy birthday. Uh, if you weren't born, then I wouldn't be here. So uh, much <laughs> much love, much love to my mom and to all moms out there. Just uh, We'll just throw it out there generally. All right. Let's start this off with some fantasy headlines, shall we? There's some big things that happened on Sunday, maybe the biggest of which is Dalvin Cook going absolutely ham. Just went kaboom on that Packers run defense. An enormous day, four total touchdowns, over 200 scrimmage yards for Dalvin Cook. He finishes the day with uh, over 40 points, uh, just missed out on the 50-point mark. So... The question becomes, though, I mean, we know how good Dalvin Cook is. Uh, we know that he's going to get the ball a lot. But if you had to pick somebody for the rest of the season, who would it be? Derek Cook, uh, Dalvin Cook or Derek Henry? <laughs> I love how you, you put the two of them together. If those two guys were one running back, it would be game over for the NFL. But if I had to choose between Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry just for the rest of this season, I'm going to rock with Dalvin Cook. You can't not look at that game from yesterday and have any doubt in your mind that he is one of the best running backs in the National Football League. You know, a lot of the times we've talked about Derrick Henry and him having some regression going into the season. Now, it hasn't been as bad as a lot of us had thought, but... I think that Dalvin Cook can be a lot more productive for the rest of the season, especially looking at their strength of schedule moving forward. So Dalvin Cook, keep chefing it up. Keep going kaboom, as Marcus Grant said. I agree. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean toward Dalvin Cook here, partially because all things being equal, Dalvin Cook catches the ball slightly more. I mean, he's missed some time. So like you look at the reception numbers and it doesn't seem to be that big of a disparity. I think it's 14 catches for Cook versus 10 for Derrick Henry. But factor in that Dalvin Cook did miss some time with an injury. So that impacts it a little bit. But I think he's a little bit more of an efficient pass catcher than we're used to seeing from Derrick Henry. And so I think all things being equal, knowing that both teams want to get their respective running backs involved, in the well, in the game in in general, uh, I'm going to lean with the guy that catches the football a little bit more. Look, I, I have made my feelings about PPR well known on this show, but we are living in a PPR world, so you might as well take advantage of the loophole uh, and go with the guy that's going to catch the ball more, and that is Dalvin Cook. So uh, we'll see if he keeps this going. But a huge day, and also a reminder to start your running backs against the Green Bay Packers. So uh, any 49ers running backs that you have on your roster, consider firing them up for Thursday night. Speaking of the 49ers, it was not a good day for them <laughs> on Sunday. I'm sorry, Marcus. Sorry for your uh, team you know on that what? one. It's fine. Uh, you know, the, the, the Niners are not playing well. They're certainly beat up. That's not necessarily an excuse, but they were lit up by the Seahawks and in particular DK Metcalf, who had just a huge game against San Francisco on Sunday, 161 yards on 12 catches and a pair of touchdowns. And right now, as we sit and record this show, your number one overall fantasy wide receiver is Tyler Lockett. Your number three fantasy wide receiver is DK Metcalf. So let's just let's just put it to a vote right here. If you had to pick a Seahawks wide receiver for the rest of the year, is it DK or is it Tyler Lockett? Who you got? Yes. 
All of them, both of them, <laughs> both. Because we don't really know, but if I if I absolutely had to pick, I feel like I'm gonna say DK Metcalf on this one just because I do think there has been a little bit more consistency. Now, the reason why Tyler Lockett cre- creeps into that conversation of having the most fantasy points as a wide receiver this season is, is because he'll go up and put almost you know a 45-point fantasy game, but then he'll have another game where he only gets eight fantasy points. But those 45 fantasy points completely weigh it out. Whereas, whereas DK Metcalf, he's a little bit more consistent going that 19, 20-point game uh, that we've seen. Now, this was the most targeted game of his career yesterday when they were going up against the San Francisco 49ers. He had 15 targets. We can read his stat line, 161 yards, two touchdowns. He was absolutely incredible. But if I had to choose from here on out going forward, I do think that it's baby LeBron. They said it himself. I think it's going to be DK Metcalf on this one. But I just want to say one thing really quick. It's kind of related, kind of not. This is just my luck. Last week, I went up against somebody in fantasy who had Tyler Lockett. And then this week, I went up against someone who had Dalvin Cook. So either way it goes, I just always go up against everyone who has, like, the beast fantasy player of the year. So that, my luck. That is, like, that is, like, the worst feeling ever in fantasy, where you just know that if a guy is having a big day, chances are you're playing against him. I've yeah. not even looked at the score. I'm just, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just taking an L on that one. I'm just not even firing up the app today. I was, I was terrified to go through my lineups and see how many times I was playing against Dalvin. Dalvin Cook and actually I think I dodged any Dalvin Cook bombs yesterday so uh that that's a plus for me as for this the Seahawks conundrum I'm with you on on going DK Metcalf and I flash back to what I was saying back in the summer where if you were picking both these guys or picking between both of these guys I didn't think there was necessarily a wrong answer, but I think I was more on the Metcalf side simply because of what you talked about the consistency and the safe floor from week to week you look at what Metcalf has done on a weekly basis, aside from last week's game against the Cardinals when he just had 23 receiving yards and, and was pretty much shut down by Patrick Peterson, uh, Metcalf has had 92 or more receiving yards in every single game this season. So he has been the picture of consistency. It also helps that he's a great deep threat with a quarterback in Russell Wilson who throws maybe the best deep ball in the NFL. So that is kind of a match made in heaven. Tyler Lockett, you love those huge blow-up games. You love when he does things like he did last week, going off for 200 yards, but then he follows it up with 33 yards, and that has generally been the MO for him in his career. So I I like roller coasters. I like them at amusement parks, though. I don't like them on my fantasy football <laughs> team. And so for that reason, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay with DK Metcalf. But again, I don't think there's really a wrong answer. If you have Tyler Lockett, you're feeling pretty okay about what you're getting from him so far this season. Okay. The Dolphins surprised everybody and certainly surprised Jared Goff and the Rams. That Dolphins defense went out and just balled. They got you 20 fantasy points. They had uh, some turnovers. They scored a couple of touchdowns and really just helped the Dolphins boat race the Rams on Sunday. But it was also a question of what happened to Jared Goff. I mean, he just looked miserable. He struggled in the pocket. He, He threw interceptions. How worried should we be about him right now? You know, I I think we've been worried about Jared Goff for a few weeks now, especially in terms of fantasy football. But it it was kind of cringeworthy to watch him yesterday because regardless of us just being fantasy football enthusiasts, we we like the NFL. We root for all of the players. And to see him in that situation where he was just getting pummeled by that defense, it seemed like he didn't have a lot of good connections with his receivers. You could tell that the coaching staff was incredibly upset with him as well. 
And it just kind of goes to show that Jared Goff, he really is a streaming quarterback in terms of fantasies. And you need to be careful of these matchups that on paper could look really enticing. But then we go out and look at the scenario that happened yesterday. I don't think any of us fantasy analysts were going out telling people to start the Miami Dolphins defense against Jared Goff. Instead, we are saying that you want to maybe fade Tua because of that Aaron Darnold and that Rams defensive situation. So a lot of head scratching and kind of raising eyebrows for Jared Goff. I think that at best he's a streaming option. I think they're lucky that they have a bye this week. But then they go on to face Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. And if they want to stay competitive in that match, Jared Goff really needs to make sure that he understands what his offensive scheme is. And for us fantasy managers, we understand that that is not going to be the game to start him. Now I'm very curious if other teams are going to look at what the Dolphins did and try and, and duplicate that as much as possible. They brought a lot of pressure. Goff turned it over four times, two interceptions, a pair of fumbles lost, uh, was sacked a number of times. It just was not a good day all around. And as you mentioned, they do have the bye to sort of regroup. And then on paper, the week after that is what's a good matchup against the Seahawks. But you wonder how Pete Carroll may scheme things up to try and come after Goff a little bit. And even after that, the matchup's aren't great. They go to Tampa Bay to face the Bucks. They've got the 49ers who we'll see how healthy they are. The Cardinals are right after that and they've been pretty tough on quarterbacks. So you're right. I think, you know, Jared Goff is is kind of a streaming guy. He had a nice little stretch in the middle of the season, but uh, the last three weeks, he's been below 17 points in each of the last three games. So now it's it's a situation where I think Jared Goff kind of goes back to your fantasy bench and maybe you stream him when the matchup is right and, and you see what's going to go on there. So speaking of disappointments, Let's talk about some guys that maybe let folks down when we didn't expect that to happen on Sunday. And the first one is Jonathan Taylor. And Kimmy, I think we're still waiting for the big breakout Jonathan Taylor game. I mean, a lot of folks were hyped about him, especially going to Indianapolis behind that offensive line. And we have not had the great game. We thought maybe it would come against the Lions and their run defense, which is not very good. But it seems like every other Colt except Jonathan Taylor scored a touchdown <laughs> on Sunday. Um, I mean... Is it time to push the panic button? Have we gone past that time with Jonathan Taylor? I mean, how are we feeling now? I feel like we've brought up Jonathan Taylor quite a bit this entire season, and we keep saying, no, 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 he's still the lead back in that offense, so just keep on keeping on, just hang on tight. But I think now is the time to fully hit the panic button and, and consider, is Jonathan Taylor a must-start each and every week? Now, you talked about the Detroit Lions. That was a beatable Detroit run defense, but Jonathan Taylor, he only managed two yards per carry against them, and he didn't do well with the passes that were sent his way either. Now, it was funny. Every single time I saw the stat line and the score go up in that game on red zone, I kept looking. I was like, no, is it, is it Jonathan Taylor? What number is that? And it wasn't him at all. Now, I do have a share of Jonathan Taylor, and now maybe it's the moment to put him out on the trade block and see what I can get in return because the stat lines that he's putting up, it's just not worth it for me, especially as I look ahead for the fantasy playoffs, uh, you know, little run we have going in a few weeks to keep him in my starting lineup. This has been really frustrating. And you know, Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift, you know, who were playing against each other on Sunday, coincidentally enough, they were considered the top two running backs in this draft class with Clyde Edwards-Alaire you know, close behind them. And CEH has honestly been the best of the three so far. Uh, it's it's just sort of baffling. And I know there are a lot of people who are, are tape eaters right now who are kind of, kind of combing through Jonathan Taylor's carries this year to try to figure out what exactly has gone wrong so far and what might be fixable. And I know probably chief among them 
are Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni there in Indianapolis trying to see how they can get their young running back on track. But it is starting to be concerning. And, and you know, here we are about halfway through the season. You have not gotten the return on investment you had hoped for from Jonathan Taylor. And it is fair to wonder whether or not it's going to happen this year. We'll talk a little bit more about JT later on in the show. Mark Andrews, another one who had sort of a rough Sunday. And yeah, I did have a little bit of concern going into this game that maybe Andrews might not have a great matchup against the Steelers, but you figured the way he gets targeted in that, that Baltimore offense, and maybe he could sort of make up for it in volume. That was not the case. And, and Kimmy, he's had a couple of really down games. Uh, I mean, is this, was this just a matchup that was bad or is there something bigger that we should be concerned about? I mean, I really do think it's just the matchup because if you look at the tight end position, who else are you going out there and starting over Mark Andrews on a week-to-week basis? Now, you talk about the volume. We are so used to Lamar Jackson getting Mark Andrews the ball, especially down in the red zone and him you know, emphasizing on that and scoring. I think this was an off week. Again, you said he's kind of had a few games where he's not been so hot, but you have to look at the tight end position and really ask yourself, is it worth it having Mark Andrews on the bench? The answer is absolutely not. Agree. Uh, you know, and I think I, I flash back to that game a few weeks ago, uh, which was a Monday night game where he had a couple of drops and, and it was kind of a big deal. And, and even at that time, I, I sort of said, you know, the reason people freaked out was because it was an island game where everybody was watching. If Mark Andrews has a game with multiple drops and it happens in the middle of, you know, six games on a Sunday morning, uh, then people don't necessarily pay attention to it because you're not seeing every play. And I think on the whole, Andrews is still one of the top tight ends in fantasy football, and you're right. You're not going to find a better, more consistent option out there, you know, unless you you have a George Kittle, you know, when he's healthy. If you have a Travis Kelsey, even a Darren Waller, uh, you know, Mark Andrews still slots in with those guys because what are you going to do? Go and play uh, what uh, Moali Cox? I mean, what, what are you going to do? You know, hope that Eric Ebron comes through with another touchdown each and every week. So uh, this wasn't great. But I don't know that I'm really freaking out about it. You just kind of chalk this up to the Steelers' defense and you move on. So one last big disappointment, and this sort of has to do with your Kansas City Chiefs. Le'Veon Bell, who we all thought was going to get some measure of revenge on the New York Jets, that didn't happen. Uh, The Chiefs didn't really need him. I mean, they didn't run the ball a whole lot. They didn't really need to run the ball a whole lot. But even when Lev got his hands on the ball, it was just not very effective. Um... I don't know what to make of this. Is what are you? What are you? How are you feeling now about Le'Veon Bell after what happened on Sunday? Well, I think it's a disappointment because you know even on our Sunday fantasy show we were saying absolutely start Ceh, absolutely start Lev Bell. This is gonna be a fun revenge game. Andy Reid is gonna dish out a plate of petty. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> but then the Kansas City Chiefs decided no, no, no. This is going to be a passing ball game because the Jets were actually pretty good at trying to shut down the run and then. Uh, it was funny, Patrick Mahomes made a quote this morning. He was like, you know, it felt really good to show the world that we could still dominate the passing game as well. As well. It's like, I don't think anyone was worried about Tyreek Hill <laughs> and Travis Kelsey and all the other amazing uh, re- receivers we have on that team. But in terms of Lev Bell, it was disappointing. And, and this is why I kind of was questioning why people were freaking out about Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Lev Bell being on the same team because Lev Bell just wasn't productive when he did get the ball. And that's kind of the same scenario of what he did when he was on the Jets. By no mean is that is that a slight or is that shade against him and, and his, his, his ability to be a productive running back in the NFL. 
but he's not as good as people may have thought, especially in terms of fantasy football. So I do think that this continues to solidify that CEH is the lead back in that offense. I think we're going to see games where Le'Veon Bell can have an opportunity to really run the ball and showcase his speed and why Kansas City did pick him up. But this was surprising, but it also kind of wasn't because if you look at his stat line from when he was a Jet, he wasn't as productive as all the hype kind of said. It's been a long time since we've seen Le'Veon Bell have one of those huge blow-up games. It's been a long time since we've seen him break a long run even. I, I, you know, I'd, I'd have to go back and dig, but it's been a long time since he's had like a 20-yard run. So you do start to wonder whether or not we have seen the best of Le'Veon Bell come and go at this point. I, I still think there will be some decent games to come for him. But I think, if anything, if you have Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you do feel a little bit better about his status within the Chiefs' offense. Both these guys are still going to get snaps. They're still going to get touches because I think that was Kansas City's plan all along. It sort of changed when Damian Williams opted out at the start of the season. But uh, I think we're kind of got back to that. But CEH is the lead back there in Kansas City. But Lev Bell, man, that was not at all what we were expecting to see uh, against the Jets on Sunday. Okay. Today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, a leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week, so download the DraftKings app now. Use code TEAM during sign-up and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. It's time for Performance Running, presented by Castrol Edge. As always on Monday, we do checks marks the spot. We pick three guys, and Kimmy Checks gives us her thoughts on what is in store for them in the future. So uh, there were three guys, three, three running backs that had particularly big days. And so now I'm going to ask you for your level of confidence on a scale of one to five, one being the least confident, five being the most confident. How confident are you in these guys actually having success going forward? So let's start with Naheem Hines. And, and we talked earlier about Jonathan Taylor. In fact, we're going to talk a lot about this Colts backfield today because it's just this kind of a head scratcher for me. But uh, Naheem Hines had the big day, just 62 total yards, but he had a pair of touchdowns. He also had a pretty phenomenal uh, gymnastics round off in the end zone after he scored one of his touchdowns. So props to him for that. But on a scale of one to five, how confident are you that uh, this is the real deal for Naheem Hines? Can I do? Can I? Can I do a two point five? I feel like this is sure. the price is right. It's like give me sure. a number between one and five. It's like come on down, Bob. Uh, I'm gonna go with a two point five on this one because, like we said, we still think Jonathan Taylor is the lead back in that offense, right? Maybe no. We we don't know. It's so confusing, and this is the hard part because Naheem Hines he had 57 scrimmage yards with no touchdowns over the last two games, but then he had those two receiving touchdowns and 54 receiving yards yesterday so the inconsistency is too much for me to try to figure out i love his gymnastics and the fact that he can flip once he does get into the end zone but it's not happening often enough for me to go above a 2.5 the colts said that frank reich the, the the head coach i think the offensive coordinator nick sirianni said before the season that there could be a game where Naheem Hines will have 10 catches. Now, it didn't happen on Sunday. He only had three receptions, but two of them in the, in the end zone. And so I think there's always going to be a role for him in this offense, but I don't think you're going to see this sort of production consistently from him. So I, I would say that, uh, you know, I'll make it a two, I guess, for me, my, my level of confidence. But uh, it was a nice week for Naheem Hines, for anybody who started him, which I'm pretty sure is uh, essentially no one. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, good luck getting that going. That happen again in the future. Um, 
Meanwhile, Zach Moss in Buffalo, he had a two-touchdown day as well for the Bills and their win over the New England Patriots, which to the frustration, but probably not surprise of anybody who started Devin Singletary because that's Singletary's lot in life. Uh, but after what you saw from Zach Moss, one to five, how confident are you that this was the breakout game we've been waiting for? This is one that I'm a lot more confident in, and I want to give him a four. Uh, I've had Zach Moss on my bench for a while now because I've been really waiting for these breakout performances and these breakout games, and he's been quietly incredibly productive this entire fantasy season. He had two receiving touchdowns yesterday, 81 yards. And though he did finish with fewer rushing yards than Devin Singletary, we do have to pay attention to his touchdown upside, scoring Three touchdowns in the last five games played this season, whereas Devin Singletary, he's allergic to the end zone. For, so for that touchdown upside alone, I like Zach Moss, and I'm giving him a four for the rest of the season. One thing that I, I put out on Twitter on Sunday, and after you know Zach Moss had his day, a lot of people were sort of saying, well, Zach Moss, is you know, he's a better running back than Devin Singletary. And my response was, I don't know necessarily that that's the case. He's a more valuable fantasy running back than Devin Singletary because he does score touchdowns. I, I continue to maintain that Devin Singletary still needs three forms of ID in order to enter the end zone. <laughs> so in that respect, Zach Moss is going to be the more valuable guy, but Singletary is still very effective. He just tends to do his work between the 20s and it takes a big play for him to get in the end zone. So uh, I think both these guys are good. I think the Bills are going to continue to use them very effectively as sort of a, a thunder and lightning duo. So I, I say that, you know, this is, I think, a good thing for Zach Moss. I think we're going to see more performances like this. And I, I wouldn't just completely toss Devin Singletary away. I think he's a good running back. I just wish they would, you know, throw him a bone every once in a while and let him score a touchdown. The guy does a lot of good work. Uh, you know, let him get a treat every so often. All right. So on the other side of that game was Damian Harris for the New England Patriots. And Harris, for the second time this year, went over 100 rushing yards. In, in an offense that seems to still be kind of scuffling and trying to figure things out, uh, how confident are you from one to five that Damian Harris might be the answer back there? I'm going way lower on this one than I was with Zach Moss. I'm going with the two because, you guys, we understand. Do not ever trust a New England Patriot running back, right? Do not ever trust a New England Patriot running back. I swear, Bill Belichick, like, he, he wants to die he wants to kill all of our fantasy dreams because he understands that we're in this conundrum every single season. Now, again, this was the second kind of really breakout game for Damian Harris, and he has emerged as the Patriots' leading backfield rushing option, but we need to manage the workload expectations because Cam Newton is still rushing the ball, and Cam Newton is rushing the ball while also rushing it and getting into the end zone. So yes, Damian Harris, he's been great. We can read his stat lines. We can make arguments that you should start him each and every week but my trust level is still at a two because we we know with bill belichick and the running backs who play for the patriots it's going to constantly be a circular rotation of one guy has a great week and then the next week it's a whole different guy so uh i'm sticking with my two on damian harris i think i'm slightly more confident i'll give it a three uh maybe if i have a full belly a three and a half but uh, you know because i, I think that he is He's the guy that shows the most juice of anybody in that backfield. I mean, we sort of know what James White is. Rex Burkhead is kind of a nice fill-in when they need to, and he can do a lot of different things. 
but I do think at some point they want a guy that they feel like can be a consistent workhorse back or something close to it. And I think that's going to be Damian Harris. I think he's I think he's ready to push Sonny Michelle out of a job whenever Michelle is back healthy and, and ready to play again for New England. So I do think there is an element of concern there, as always. I mean, Bellatrix can always rear their ugly head <laughs> once in a while. And I do think at some point Cam Newton is going to continue to run the football because that makes this offense more dynamic, especially if they can't throw it consistently because of their pass catcher situation. So there are concerns. There are reasons to be a little bit skeptical of, of Damian Harris, but I think he's sort of the best back that the Patriots have right now. And so for that reason, I am, I'm slightly more confident. I'm not ready to go all in. I'm not ready to push all the chips into the table for Damian Harris just yet, but I am feeling a little bit better. Uh, about what I've seen. Meanwhile, for the rest of you out there, if you guys want to vote on which of these guys you feel the most confident in going for, you can go to Kimmy Checks' Twitter page at twitter.com slash Kimmy Checks. Uh, you can vote there and uh, let us know your thoughts on which of these running backs you think has the most staying power beyond week eight. It's Monday, so it's time to talk some waiver wire picks as we head into week nine of the NFL season. And uh, it's always getting a little bit harder to kind of dig through some waiver wire options as well. And uh, we got a few out here. We'll show the board up there real quick for the folks watching the show. And at the quarterback spot, Drew Locke, who uh, engineered that nice comeback for the Broncos against the Chargers. He's up there. Derek Carr, another option this week if you're looking to stream quarterbacks. At the running back spot, if you've got some depth and you can wait, uh, Malcolm Brown's a good option, even though the Rams are on a bye this week. So just keep in mind, you won't get to use him right away. DJ Dallas, Jermichael Hasty. Uh, at some point, you take a shot maybe at the two Colts, Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins. Your wide receivers, Marvin Hall, uh, especially depending on how serious the injury to Kenny Galladay is this week. Keep an eye on that. Mike Williams, another guy who is out there and getting some throws from Justin Herbert. Uh, at the tight end, if you're looking to stream there, Jordan Akins for the Texans is an option. And if you're looking to stream a defense, uh, there is the Washington football team that could be out there and a nice option for you. They take on the Giants next week, so that's one to keep an eye on. But let's go back to the running back spot because people are always thirsty for fantasy running backs. DJ Dallas had a couple of touchdowns against the 49ers on Sunday. Uh, Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde did not play. Now, it looks like Carson might be able to come back next week. He was sort of 50-50 for Sunday. But uh, Hyde might be a bit of a longer situation. Anything about what you saw from DJ Dallas that would get you intrigued about him? It was an intriguing performance. I think he finished uh, yesterday's game with 22 fantasy points right around there, which is impressive because I don't think DJ Dallas was a name on your eyes list this season long as a guy who could be productive in fantasy football. Now, he did account for 18 of the team's 28 rushing attempts. And though he wasn't crazy efficient in terms of yards, he did uh, he was able to get into the end zone on a one-yard touchdown late in the fourth quarter, which helped clinch that victory for the Seattle Seahawks. But I think the thing here that's really impressive and something that we should continue to pay attention to, especially with Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde still on the fringe of playing with those injuries, is that he did get involved in the passing game and he was able to convert on all five of his targets into reception. So kind of an impressive performance and, and a guy who, you know, deservably does, does, gets to be on the waiver wire list this week. 
I will say that I sort of shied away from recommending DJ Dallas this week, in part because I, I thought the Niners defense would put up maybe more of a, a resistance than it did, but also because I expected to see more Travis Homer in there. But this was a really heavy usage for Dallas this week. So uh, that, I guess, kind of gives me more confidence going forward, just in case there are more injuries that we could see a lot of DJ Dallas on the field. But even if Chris Carson is back, a lot of people pointed this out that uh, Dallas could step in and sort of play that role that Rashad Penny had in years past, which is not a bad place to be. You know, you're going to get on the field, you're going to get some opportunities. So again, if you have some wide receiver or some running back issues this week, and look, keep in mind the Browns uh, and the Bengals are off, so that means you know Kareem Hunt's not available. That means that you know Gio Bernard or Joe Mixon aren't going to be available for you. So there are going to be some teams that need running backs. So DJ Dallas could be an option for you if you are hurting at that spot. Uh, the other one is Drew Locke at, at the quarterback position. And I, I went into this past week thinking that he could be a sleeper against the Chargers. Uh, as the meme says, uh, not going to lie, they had us in the first half. Like at, at halftime, <laughs> I was like, this is not working out at all. He ended up rallying in the in the fourth quarter especially and ended up with a, an 18-point day, which for a streaming quarterback I think is not a bad day. This week now he gets the Falcons. Uh, I would think that if you are streaming a quarterback this week, Kimmy, Drew Locke has to be on your radar. Drew Locke has to be on your radar, which is why it's crazy to me that he's only rostered in 2% of NFL.com leagues. I double-checked that this morning because I was like, no way, just 2%. And yes, it is 2% of NFL.com leagues. Now, speaking of that matchup going up against the Falcons, they've given up the most fantasy points to quarterbacks this entire season. But this isn't the only week where he does have a favorable matchup. After he goes on and he plays the Falcons, then the Broncos go on and take on the Las Vegas Raiders, who are giving up the eighth most fantasy points to quarterbacks. So, Drew Locke, absolutely a valuable streaming option. I think it was really impressive to see what he did with Jerry Judy and Deshaun Hamilton yesterday. He found those connections with his receivers. He plays with swag and confidence as well, which is really fun. And you can tell that he's not afraid of throwing the ball, which in terms of fantasy, that's absolutely what we want. And another thing to note this week, and these guys aren't necessarily super fantasy relevant, but the Bengals, the Browns, the Eagles, and the Rams are out on a bye. So if you do have any of those quarterbacks who are starting for you, Drew Locke is someone who's definitely available and out there on most waiver wires, and you can go ahead and pick up and stream. I, I think Drew Locke is, you mentioned that the schedule upcoming, right? They've got the Falcons and they've got the Raiders. Uh, so there, there are some opportunities to get Drew Locke on the field. I think the other part of it is you mentioned that the quarterbacks that are on a bye. So if you have Carson Wentz, right, you're, you're not going to have him available to you. But there are also some other quarterbacks that people might start that don't have great matchups. I mean, Drew Brees has to deal with the Buccaneers in Tampa. That's not particularly a great matchup on paper for him. Uh, you know, I don't know if you're starting a 49ers quarterback at this point, but, you know, even on the flip side, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if you're scared or not about him against the 49er defense, but that's one to kind of keep in mind. So there are some some matchups that might kind of give you pause this this week coming up. Uh, so Drew Locke should be on the radar there. Uh, if you are if you have a top waiver claim priority this week, where are you using it? You're going to like this because it's the San Francisco 49er, and I'm going to go with Jamichael Hasty. Now, I know he didn't have any crazy performance yesterday. He had 29 rushing yards, but he did get a chance to go into the end zone. But I like him, and I want to grab him on the waiver wire, especially because of that matchup next week. The 49ers go on, and they take 
the Green Bay Packers, who earlier in the show we said you want to start all of your running backs against the Green Bay Packers because they're not so great uh, as a run defense. Another part of why I like Casey this week is because Jimmy G, he struggled yesterday, right? There's still a lot of conversation that he's still dealing with that high ankle sprain. And even when you saw him wind up to throw the ball yesterday, you could see that he was hurting. And that's why his receivers and guys, even like George Kittle, did not play well whatsoever. So I do think they're going to look to run the ball a lot more to kind of help alleviate some of that pressure from Jimmy G. So in that case, I think Hasty goes and he steps right on up. I, I like Jamichael Hasty as a top pick. I would also, you know, maybe get Zach Moss, uh, give him a try just because I think he's got maybe some longer staying power as well after what we saw uh, on Sunday from him in that Bills offense. A couple of quick notes. One, I, I misspoke. I want to correct. It was uh, almost 20 points for Drew Locke. He had 19.8 fantasy points, so that was a big plus there. And other thing, news uh, from Ian Rappaport tweeted just as we were speaking just now. Kenny Galladay is expected to be out this week, and he's considered week-to-week -week with a hip injury. That happened on Sunday. So if you are looking for wide receiver help, Marvin Hall might be a name to remember. He stepped up and had over 100 receiving yards on Sunday for the Lions. So uh, that's just something to sort of keep in mind if you need some help at the position coming up this week. You might be watching this show on YouTube at our channel, youtube.com slash NFL Fantasy Football. But if you are not, you should go and check it out. You can like and subscribe. You can get this show. You can get Fantasy Bites. You can get NFL Fantasy Game Day on Sundays. We all stream there uh, on that channel. Plus, we have plenty of other things that are should be of your interest if you like fantasy football or if you just like us which uh either one of those things is acceptable so we would appreciate it go like and subscribe and enjoy all the goodness that we put up there all right so after watching the games i came up with three general statements and we'll kind of parse through these and figure out uh you know, what we know what we think we know and what we have no idea about and uh, every sunday if you follow me on instagram i do the things i learned where i kind of pick and choose some uh, some interesting things that came out of the sunday games uh but this these are some things that i am not completely sold on so let's just start because we've been talking a lot about jonathan taylor and this colts backfield today so jonathan taylor is still the lead running back in indianapolis do we know that do we think we know or do we have no idea we, we think we know because you heard us talking earlier about Naheem Himes. We also mentioned Jordan Wilkins very briefly. We really don't know what's going on in this backfield, and it's a complete mind cluster, and I don't even know how to go forward with it. So, Marcus, I think we know that Jonathan Taylor is still the lead back in Indianapolis. What, what are your thoughts here? I think we know it, too. I am, I'm closer to we know that it is. But certainly his production has not been such of a lead running back. And I don't know if, if it's just still him kind of getting used to the blocking scheme and the offense here. Uh, I know that for a lot of rookies, the one thing they will tell you, the difference between college and the NFL is just the speed of the game. So I don't know if that's a thing that Jonathan Taylor is still getting used to. I still believe that he is the lead running back in Indianapolis. The production just hasn't matched. Now... If we continue to have these sorts of production struggles, then uh, we may have to revisit this because we might start consistently seeing more of Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines. Uh, I, I don't know how long the Colts are going to kind of can stay with this, especially because they're still certainly in the thick of things in the playoff race. So, you know, he is still the lead running back as far as I'm concerned, but there are reasons to be a little bit worried about him. All right. Cam Newton was driving the struggle bus for a couple of weeks, and I even told my spooky story on Fantasy Live uh, over the uh, last week that 
Uh, you know, I can't imagine starting him, especially in this matchup against the Bills. I don't know what to do. And he went out and had an okay day. He had 18 fantasy points. Uh, you know, not not a lot of big numbers, but certainly enough to kind of keep you afloat. So after seeing that, uh, Cam Newton's going to be okay. Do we know that? Do we think we know? Or do we have no idea? I'm still in this middle, I think we know type of situation, but I'm leaning a little bit more we know on this one because Cam Newton, he's still a valuable quarterback and I don't think he's on the droppable list just yet. Maybe he truly is a streaming quarterback instead, which should be no surprise because in a lot of NFL drafts uh, this season, he would have been taken as a QB number two. So he's already a streamer. I think there's tons of upside with Cam Newton. This is what we saw earlier on in the season when he first debuted as a New England Patriot where he continued to run the ball. See, he just ran it into the end zone. You guys are looking at the reason why I say he has upside. The fact that he is so elusive in the pocket, the fact that he can run the ball and score himself. I think this is why we think we know he's going to be okay. So I'm a little bit more positive on this one than I was with Jonathan Taylor. I'm going to tell you that I have no idea what we're going to do with Cam Newton. I mean, look, I, I think what we saw yesterday was sort of refreshing. It was nice to see him uh, go out and have a decent fantasy game. But even then, the numbers weren't pretty for Cam Newton in this one. Uh, the, the passing yardage wasn't huge. Uh, the rushing yardage was just okay. And he had the rushing touchdown, which sort of kept him afloat. And I fear that this is sort of what it's going to be. I mean, Julian Edelman had knee surgery. We're not sure how long he's going to be out right now. Uh, Nikhil Harry wasn't available. The Patriots' offense as a whole just seemed to be a mess. We were trying to figure out their running back situation earlier with Damian Harris. <laughs> so what happened was sort of nice, but I don't 100% know that we're going to get good Cam Newton games on a regular basis. So I look, I have rosters where I have him and I haven't dropped him yet, but I'm also kind of hesitant to put him in my lineup because I just honestly don't know week to week. Uh, all right, one last one. Philip Lindsay is the Broncos running back to trust. Uh, do we know? Do we think we know? Or do we have no idea? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know at all because what's going on with Melvin Gordon as well? Melvin Gordon has still been decent production-wise as a fantasy running back this entire season, but then here comes Philip Lindsay, and then here's Melvin Gordon, and then it's a crowded backfield all over again. I don't know why Melvin Gordon just attracts himself to crowded backfields. He does it all the time. First it was the Chargers, now it's the Broncos. I have no idea in this situation. Philip Lindsay, he's great. We saw that he had almost 100 rushing yards. He had 83 and a touchdown yesterday against the Chargers, but I I, I, my, men have burned me so many times in my life, Marcus. I really, I don't know what to do anymore. This is turning into <laughs> what I feared it would be, and which is basically a way of saying, like, I don't know. I have no idea who the Broncos running back to trust is going to be because Philip Lindsay was very good in his first two seasons. You're talking about an undrafted guy who had a thousand yards in back-to-back -back years. So it just seemed implausible to me that Melvin Gordon was going to come in and Philip Lindsay was going to vanish completely from this offense. And I think that's what we saw yesterday against the Chargers. So Melvin Gordon is still going to get his snaps and his touches, but so is Philip Lindsay. And my fear the whole time is that this could turn into a hot hand situation, which is not going to be good for anybody in fantasy because you just aren't going to know from week to week. So I think both of these guys are startable, especially depending on the matchup. But I don't think we're ever going to have any real clarity as to who is going to be the lead back there in Denver. So good luck. Have fun with that. <laughs> um, that's all I know. Uh, so there we go. We will uh, hopefully keep tuning in and uh, finding out things that we know as we get a little bit closer to the end of the fantasy regular season. In the meantime, last election, millions of voters were unable to cast their ballots. Why? No game plan. 
Join the NFL family by making your game plan today and making your voice heard this November. Visit NFL.com slash votes to learn more. At the start of the show, Eddie told us what's going to go down on Monday Night Football between the Buccaneers and the Giants. So we have a general idea of how that contest is going to play out. But now let's get a little more specific as we deal some fantasy football type knowledge here. We'll start on the Buccaneers side. Chris Godwin had finger surgery. We know he's out this week. We'll keep an eye on what his availability will be going forward. But it does mean that Mike Evans and Scotty Miller take a more prominent role, presumably, in the Buccaneers passing game. So if you have to pick one between Evans and Miller, who you got? Marcus, we need to go back to the last segment where it was, I know, I think I know, I don't know at all. Because again, why do we have all of these conundrums and all these these same guys on the same team uh, splitting time? But if I had to choose one, I am going to rock with Mike Evans on this one. I think there's a little bit more consistency for him uh, in weeks two through five. I think he averaged 19.5 fantasy points in that stretch. So really good numbers. Uh, however, I do have shares of Scotty Miller in my league of record, and I need him to score 12 fantasy points tonight. So if he could do that, that would be incredible. But for uh, tonight's matchup and rest of the season, I'm rocking with Mike Evans. Oh, you can feel better because I'm going to say Scotty Miller here. I Yay! think this could be a Scotty Miller game <laughs> I'll win my for, matchup. For, the, for the Buccaneers. Uh, look, I, I think that the Giants are going to pay particular attention to Mike Evans. And just it's it's his in, his production has been so inconsistent. They are using him occasionally down near the goal line. They're not using him so much in between the 20s. That seems to be where Scotty Miller is making hay, especially with Chris Godwin not available. And hey, let's one, let's 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 excise the notion that he's just some slot receiver. I mean, Miller is a guy who's playing outside and doing pretty well. Now, he may move to the slot occasionally because Chris Godwin's not available, but uh, I think he's a guy who can excel uh, and especially with no Godwin, I think this is going to be more of a Scotty Miller game tonight as opposed to Mike Evans. All right, let's move to the backfield because Ronald Jones is having a good year, it seems, but then Leonard Fournette shows up and starts taking food off of his plate. So uh, the Giants run defense, not particularly great, but between Rojo and Fournette, who would you roll with? Rojo. It's Rojo. You hear that boxing bell? It's Rojo beating down Leonard Fournette because he is still the number one back in that offense. We understand that it's going to be really close to a 50-50 split, sometimes a 60-40 split. But regardless, Ronald Jones is still the number one uh, running back in that offense for Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm rocking with him. You cannot sway me on this one. I am going to agree with you and go with Ronald Jones here. I, I still just believe in him. And, and I think that the Buccaneers still want to make him their primary back. Now, they do like working in Leonard Fournette, so he's going to get his opportunities. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if he had some good production today. But I, I still want the guy that is ostensibly the starter and ostensibly going to see most of the snaps and the touches there. And for me, that's Ronald Jones. So uh, I'm going to stick with Rojo here. All right, one last one. We're going to flip to the Giants side of things. I would imagine they're going to have to throw the football to stay in this one. Uh, the Bucks defense is very good. But the top two wide receivers on this Giants roster are Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard. So if you were forced to pick one of them, which for the you know, purposes of this segment you are, uh, <laughs> Slayton or Shepard, who you got? I'm going to go with the glass man, Sterling Shepard, on this one. I know that he is very injury prone. I completely understand this. And I also understand that for both these guys, it's a really tough matchup tonight going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are number eight against opposing fantasy wide receivers. So it's going to be tough either way. But Sterling Shepard, he missed four games earlier this season. And then he came back and got six receptions for 59 yards and a touchdown up against the Philadelphia Eagles. You see him running in that game right there. You could tell his absence was missed and that Danny Dimes missed his receiving option in Sterling Shepard. So because of that, I'm going to rock with him in today's matchup. 
I'm going to lean towards Slayton here just because he seems to be the target leader on this team. And it does seem like he and Daniel Jones have a pretty good rapport with one another. Now, it's it's not a great matchup. I'm not going to pretend like either one of these guys is going to get you a, a huge outing. It would be a surprise to me if that happens. But uh, I'm going to say Slayton here because he's getting nearly seven targets a game. Uh, but again, I, I'm not excited about either option for uh, for this one. You know, we didn't ask because uh, I don't think you mentioned it on Sunday. What was the smoked meat of the week at uh, at Casa Checks? Ooh, at Casa de Checks because we do it every single weekend. This week we decided to do homemade wings. So we got 20 Ooh. wings. We made wings. We I swear, we need to have Traeger sponsor this show because I have become <laughs> a total Traeger grill fan. So we fired him up on the Traeger. We did a normal grilled wing. Then we did a Kentucky bourbon teriyaki wing. And then we did Ooh. a homemade buffalo wing. So Marcus, once all of this COVID madness is done and it is safe, <laughs> and we are not in mass. You and your mom, whose birthday it is today, and the entire family, everyone can come to Casa de Checks, and we will have a smoked meat barbecue party. <laughs> Absolutely. Totally down for that. Sounds great. Uh, all right. In the meantime, for us, though, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, if you're ever attacked by a mob of clowns, Go for the juggler. Be safe. Take care of yourselves. Wear a mask. Happy birthday, Ma. And we will see you on Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.